When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before I spoke to Ui Kahue, I think I had an idea in my head about what it would be like to live in a luxury hotel. I think that idea mainly came from the Eloise books about a six-year-old who lives in the plaza in New York City. Eloise mostly badgers people and orders room service. But that is not the experience Ui's been having. She says most of the people she's living with at the Westin in Maui, they aren't sure what to do with themselves. In the beginning, they said we're opening the pool and there are people like, part of my French, but, you know, what the hell do you think I'm going to go go swimming? You know, I just lost my home, um, a loved one. You know, why would I go swimming? Ui's hotel is full of survivors of the fires that destroyed the town of Lahaina back in August. You know, and it's just, but the, the kids, the kids need to get out there. Ui says when the fires hit, the usual paying guests were told to leave. Some went so quickly they left their luggage behind. That's when people like her poured in. At first it was confusing. Where were folks supposed to put their trash? Could they cook their own food? Now an unused VIP lounge is where they get three meals a day. You have to have a little wristband to get served. Still, it's not exactly comfortable. Housekeeping comes in whether you want them to or not, because they need to make sure that their hotel rooms are up to par, you know, clean and not getting damaged. So if you don't answer your door fast enough, they're going to come in. And that could be more than awkward, depending on what you're doing. On the flip side, it's like, wow. Um, my room has got an ocean view, and it's like, well, this is the million-dollar view. And uh, <laughs> How much longer do you think you'll be able to stay there? Right now, it looks like we're going to be able to stay till the end of October. Does it feel like enough? Um, it seems like it's not enough. There is no housing to place this community. You're wondering after October 31st where you're going to go. There already was a housing shortage. How is that going to get any better? Today on the show, the Lahaina residents displaced by the summer fires are about to be on their own again. But have they recovered? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Before the fires, Ui Kahue ran a plant nursery in Lahaina with her partner Mario. They specialized in canoe plants, plants that were brought to the islands years ago by the Polynesian people. She grew plumeria flowers for lays and coconut palms she could weave into hats and baskets. And she'd teach tourists about the history and culture of this place. She says there's an irony in the fact that the word Lahaina means merciless sun, because part of what she remembers about the day the fires hit is the heat. When she closes her eyes, she can see how the flames sparked and jumped, driven by a combination of dry vegetation and downed power lines and hurricane-force winds. For me, I was one of the last of the residents to leave. How did you know you needed to go? I was standing there with a water hose in my hand, trying to water my partner's roof line and some of the trees that bordered his property. And realizing that all of a sudden it was night. The sun was gone and the smoke was so thick, it just became dark. I couldn't even see the house anymore. I realized I'm covered in ash. I could feel the heat and I'm asthmatic. And then it just kind of hit me like, what the hell are you doing? And you need to leave. Did you have a plan? Did you have like a bag? Did you, or did you just like get in the car right away? Because I do travel off island, um, I used to have a suitcase or something in the garage. Sometimes it's still got some of my clothes in it. Sometimes it doesn't. This suitcase, there was a suitcase in my garage that I knew. And I knew I didn't take everything out. It had like a couple pairs of shorts and t-shirts or something. I just threw that in my car, which was right next to the garage. And then I, I went to leave. And um, as I was, you know, putting the suitcase in the car and stuff, I saw my neighbors who were yelling and they were like, can you help us? Can you help us? The wind is so strong. You can't hear, right? It is just 80 miles an hour plus. It actually shook the house when it would hit. You could feel it like it, a train just hit the house. Um, they were yelling and I, I didn't even hear them, but I saw them. And they're mm -hmm. waving their arms at me. And there was a Nana Natata, which is an older Filipino um, man and woman, and a younger lady, probably in her early 20s. Um, there was a car in the garage, but they couldn't find the keys. So they're like, can you help us? Can you help? And I'm like, oh, my God, of course. You're stranded? And they're like, we can't find the keys. We, we. And um, so I just flew up, and I have a little transit connect uh, minivan. So I threw open the side door, and they went to jump in, and a live ember went right inside the car. What went right? I'm sorry, what went right in front of the car? A live ember. Oh. So the sky is now, there is burning debris in the sky. And it's landing on the next house and the next roof and continuing to burn. There's burning debris in the sky. Trees were falling over. Um, there was a shed 
that evidently became airborne and landed on top of a car only a block down. Right? It was dangerous to be outside. As she fled, Ui recorded video on her phone. You can see she still has a couple of her coconut palm hats resting on the dash as she tries to find a way out. It looks like she's driving at night, until suddenly the wind gusts and you can see. It's a beautiful day. Blue sky, bright sun. I drove one more block away to check on a second house that we lease for business that I had um, I had a couple of people there, one young man in particular, who I knew was there earlier in the day. And I went there to double check to make sure he was no longer there, that he evacuated. Holy shit. Oh my God. Oh my they crossed. God. Oh my God. The entire time, nobody sounded a siren. Nobody came with a bullhorn, no first responders or anything, saying, get out of your house, get out of your house. You know, I had the car radio on once I got in the car. I'm listening to Hawaiian music playing. Nobody's saying, evacuate, evacuate, get out, get to the shelter, blah, 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 or there was even a shelter. So you drove your neighbors out? Yeah. Are you still in touch with those people you drove out? No, so during the evacuation, many families were separated, and I don't know where they're where they're recovering. Wow, Maui's not that big. I'm surprised. Right, everybody is. I've heard through family and friends, they've come back and said, you know, you're amazing, you're a hero. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In hindsight, the family that I saved, the house next door, we lost an auntie. Um, and auntie means an older Hawaiian woman, usually. Um, she passed away in her home. The home behind our neighbors was a family of about eight. We only know of one survivor. Um, my partner and I, we didn't lose immediate loved ones. We definitely lost neighbors and friends. I drove that extra block to go check on that young man in that house that we leased. And as I went around the block, they found a family of four uh, four there in a van, um, grandma, grandpa, mom, and 11-year-old boy. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know that families were being let back into Lahaina. Have you and your partner gone to see? Yes. So the 15th, I think, what is... Um, they were telling um, people who were in Lahaina, who managed to stay in Lahaina... They, um, after like three days or so, they could go back and forth to the other side of the island, like to the post office or to go get supplies. Um, but only if they prove, had an ID identification saying that, you know, they lived in Lahaina, et cetera, et cetera. So I went back on the 15th, which was Mario's birthday. Oh, wow. You went into Lahaina on the 15th of August? Yeah, on the major thoroughfare that night. I went in. Um, the scene is surreal. It's 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 apocalyptic. My partner's house had um, a, at least a 60-foot-tall, beautiful Spanish mango tree, um, cuckoo nut trees, and a beautiful pine tree that was probably 80 feet. Um, it's all gone. There's nothing recognizable. There are only, you know, four or five hollow-tile bricks stacked on top of one another. There are um, some 
some buildings were hollow tiled, so you can see the outline of the the structure itself. Anything wood is just completely decimated. Um, the fact that the Pioneer Inn, which is historic on the historical register, is completely razed is just you can't even come to, you can't even wrap your mind around that. It's just you look at it and you're like, I'm seeing it, but I just I just it doesn't register. I can't believe that. After the break, tourism returns, but Maui is still just beginning to rebuild. I talked to Ui at this moment when Maui is returning to normal. On October 8th, Hawaii's governor announced that the western side of the island, that's where Lahaina is, would begin a gentle reopening for tourists. But that gentle reopening has been controversial. Residents circulated a petition protesting the decision, and Maui's county council voted unanimously to push back the reopening. West Maui opened anyway. Our top story today marks two months since wildfires devastated Lahaina and West Maui is now open for visitors. It's an emotional day for many. Eddie Dowd reports from Maui. At the bay, beach chairs and umbrellas can already be seen as more visitors from the continental U.S. arrived to the island two months after the August 8th fires. There's some visitors from Seattle. By this week, all but the most devastated parts of Maui will be open for business again. Ui says... There's a fundamental tension between what residents need and what businesses want. She knows she can't live at the Westin forever, but in some ways, she feels owed. Her partner Mario is the chief landscaper here, and he can't do that job without a place to sleep at night. In the end, though, she feels lucky. Her hotel welcomed residents from the start. Not every hotel did. There's some properties who actually turned away victims and residents and then not until red cross came in and said okay look we'll pick up the tab did they finally jump on the program um so not all hotels and the way a lot of residents look at it too is that um they've been making money here for years you know so to be closed for a few months shouldn't be a an issue or a challenge it should be automatic Right, and these are your employees too, right? The people who take care of your guests. There, there are people like myself who, um, my partner, who's been working at the same hotel for 26 years. And now, you know, these hotels are looking to their employees. They need to open. They have a huge, we already had a labor shortage too. And now we have people who are leaving because we're being told it's going to be probably at least two years before you have a home on your property that you can go back to. And so somewhere there's an exodus, there's people leaving, you know, so it's just super sensitive. You, you can't, you can't ask somebody who left their home with the shirt on their back and, and potentially a loved one missing who has never even gotten to go home yet. You can't ask them to come back to work. You can't do that. Have you encountered tourists since the fire? Yes. What's that been like? The day after the fire, I'm in Kahului and I'm rushing to Costco because I'm thinking 
I need to get water and basics, clothes. I'm competing with visitors who are staying at the other parts of the island, the south side, and they're, you know, buying fun stuff, like whatever they want to stock the condo with. And I'm here trying to buy water to drink because there's nothing there. How strange. It's more than awkward. It's it's just like, you know, this is, what is this? And the same thing happened at the Safeways. Same thing happened at the gas stations. So you see visitors and people are saying, but not the West Side. But there were still hotels on the West Side um, going ahead and t- honoring timeshares, for example. Right? That was their week. They already planned it. They already spent the money on it. So, sure. You know, we got water. We got um, we got uh, most of our necessities up and running. There's no restaurants in the area or anything like that. But sure, you can come. You do not sound like you. <laughs> this sounds like it really bothers you. It does bother me because, unfortunately, a lot of the visitors are they're ignorant and they're astounded. Um, they so a lot of them come with good intentions that they want to help. Maybe they're going to volunteer at a hub or something or or something, but they're not sure how to go about it. And honestly, a lot of them are just, we want to see Lahaina. We want to see what happened. We want to see the devastation. Disaster tourism. Yeah, and there have been visitors who come and I don't know how they got to park on the bypass when residents or there's sheriffs every so often that you can't park on the bypass. But there is already video clips that went viral on social media of visitors parking on the bypass and taking pictures with the burn area right behind them. Like, oh, look at that background, you know, and, and stuff. Um, there's unscrupulous stories of people actually taking pictures um, next to a burn zone and saying, please help me. I, I was a victim of the Lahaina wildfire. See, can you see the picture behind me? And they're not from here. Um, I, we're like, what? And uh, so there's, you know, and that just, that just ex- goes like wildfire between the residents and the community. We're like, what the heck is going on here? How is this even possible? What are they doing? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're facing this deadline of October 31st when it sounds like you won't be able to live where you and your partner are living now. So we're fortunate. We have, we have friends and family. If I have to go to my daughter's house in Kihei, I can do that. So I'm not worried about me. I am worried about a lot of families. We've been trying our best to help uh, Mario's two grown children. Um, his son has three dogs. Nobody wants dogs. These are pets that survived the fire. You know, what do you... <laughs> Can't just give them up. <laughs> How long do you think it will take for the closure? Um, yeah, and that's just a long road down. This is not impossible, you know, and the biggest assets of our business, my partner and I are alive and well and functioning. So we will move forward. Um, I like the direction we're in and this, for some people, it's a clean slate. Um, and so now it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's a deep breath. You try to tell yourself, okay, a lot of this is just material. What counts is alive and well. Um, Mahina will come back. It just has to come back the right way. And right now it means being a little bit more sensitive to the residents. We still have a lot to take care of before we can move forward. 
Ui, I'm so grateful for your time. Thanks for giving it. Oh, no, thank you very much. Thank you for sharing. Um, you know, you have to let people know and to acknowledge what happens is part of the recovery. So thank you very much. Ui Kahue is a cultural practitioner and Lahaina business owner. Since we spoke, Ui and Mario have had to move out of the hotel they were sheltering in. They were able to get a temporary rental, but come spring, they're considering moving into an RV. They haven't been back to Lahaina since August. In the coming days, Ui will return to work, offering cultural workshops to tourists. And that's our show. If you're a fan of what we're doing here at What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate Plus. It's our membership program. Go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you back here next time.